Uh, welcome again. Really glad to, to see you. Uh, today we're going to be finishing up our very, just two-part series <laughs> on finances. So uh, the series Money, Money, Money. And I had shared last time when we had talked, I think that money, especially in terms of what we think about as Christians, is often really misunderstood. And so hopefully uh, last time and then today's message can kind of help clarify, like as believers, like how do we view money? Because money's like an important part of our life. It's an important part of our daily living, like the things that we, we do and the things that we work for and the things that we, you know, buy and spend. So today we're going to continue with that uh, series. And today we're going to look at this idea of directing our soldiers. Okay, so if you remember last time, if you were here, I had talked about the analogy, which I really like, uh, that I heard one pastor share, that he said he likes to view his money like soldiers. Do you remember that? Do you remember that analogy I gave? That he likes to think about his money as soldiers. And I really liked that analogy. So we're going to kind of continue with that theme today and asking the question, how can we direct our soldiers, direct our money? Okay, so to kind of introduce that, I wanted to ask you about what is your money personality? Okay, so, you know, they have, like, different personality tests, like, you know, extrovert, introvert, and all those different things. But did you know that there's also a money personality? Everybody has a kind of personality how they relate to money. So there's different ones that I've seen, but we're going to do, like, just the most basic, which is, are you a saver or spender? Okay, are you a saver or spender? Okay, so just to give you, like, a quick kind of, like, shout out, if someone were to give you $50,000... So if someone to give you $50,000 right now, what's the first thought that comes in your mind? Is the first thought in your mind, like, what can I go out and buy? What kind of car can I get? What kind of clothes can I get? What kind of whatever can I get? Is that the first thing that comes in your mind? Or is it, wow, it's $50,000. How much can I put away? How much can I save? How much can I pay bills or whatever can I do? What's your first initial thought when you think about getting $50,000. Okay, so think about that for a second. And once you share with somebody next to you, what's your initial thought? Spend or save? If you think invest, that's kind of safe, right? Okay, does everybody got it? Okay, everybody kind of lean one, one way or another. Okay, so for me, my tendency, my natural tendency for uh, my money personality is safe, okay? Nobody taught me that. Nobody, like, instructed. In fact, when I grew up, my parents never talked to me about money one time. Never. They never talked to me about money. They've always, they always kept it a secret. I never knew what was going on in terms of financially in our household. No one told me about money, never talked to me about money. Right, so these are things that I just naturally had, right? I was naturally a saver. So let me give you a, a couple stories to talk about my kind of saver tendencies. Okay, so um, my son is here. He's, he's kind of similar to me. So when I, when I kind of grew up, I never was interested in buying anything, okay? It's not that I was, didn't like things or whatever. I just, it just never came to me, right? So whenever I would get birthday money or Christmas money, I would just save it, okay? So that was me all throughout my childhood. And then even in college, when I went to college, you know, so my parents kind of helped me with like the, the big bills, like the tuition and books and stuff. But then spending money was all on me, 
Okay, so I had I worked all all years of my college. I did part-time jobs. I worked at the bookstore. I was a tutor. I did all kinds of different things, and I earned some money, right? My spending money, but I would spend very little of my money. Okay, I would just save it. Okay, so at the end of my five years uh, in college, I was going to go on to graduate school, and I was going to save this money for graduate school, right? So I had this money saved up for graduate school, but then when I applied to graduate school, I actually got a scholarship that paid for everything. So I'm like, what am I going to do with this money? So I decided to use this money to buy my dad a car, you know, for all of the sacrifice that he had given me. That's how much money I saved. Right? It was my Christmas money, birthday money, and part-time job. I, I had enough money to buy a car, you know? So I just graduated college, never had a full-time job, but I had enough money to buy a car. That kind of gives you a flavor of, like, my saving prowess, my, my, my saving tendency, right? Okay, the other story I kind of tell to, save, to show you, like, my kind of saving bent is something that I really used to love to do, but I don't even think they have this anymore. But back when you actually got your news through the newspaper, you know what those things are? Newspaper? <laughs> I used to get the newspaper, and one of my favorite things to do was to get the Sunday paper, and inside the Sunday paper, they had coupons. Okay, so I don't know if you've ever seen that before or saw your parents do that, but the Sunday paper used to have some sections in there. I don't know if they still have this, where they have like coupons, these little coupon books, right? And so my favorite thing to do was to get that Sunday paper and I would cut out all the coupons. It was for like toothpaste, shampoo, soap, whatever. I would cut out all the different coupons. And I would just love to go to the store and use the coupons. And so the store I would go to had double coupon day, right? So whatever the coupon was, they'd double it, right? So if you had a $1 off, you take it there and they give you $2 off. Oh my gosh, this was like Disneyland for me when I go to the store and use the coupons. And so I go to the same store, because they have the double coupons like every day. I go to the same store over and over and over and over again. So much so that I started memorizing the aisles and what's on every aisle. And then I organized my coupon envelope according to the aisle. So when I walked down the aisle, I'd have the coupons come up exactly when I would go to each product down the aisle. That's how organized I was in, in trying to save money. Okay, so let me tell you this one day. So this one day, I was, I was looking, I don't know how I found this advertisement, but there was this back, I think Kmart's not, is Kmart still in existence? I think it's not existing anymore. But they had a Kmart near a house, but they had a super Kmart. Okay, I don't know if you've seen a super Kmart where they have this bigger size Kmart and they have like a grocery store and stuff. And to advertise for this super Kmart, they had triple coupon day. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm there, right? And so... I had my coupon book, and then I cut out all the coupons, and then I went there, and then I went to town, right? So I like bought everything on my coupon list and all these different things. And then when I go to checkout, guess how much I paid? So I had it probably about maybe around $100 worth in my cart. How much did I pay? Zero. <laughs> I paid zero for this $100 worth of items in my cart. I was, I can't tell you how happy I was in that day, right? And the reason I could is because they tripled it, right? So some of the coupon tripling was more than the actual price of the product, right? So I actually made money on a lot of the different items that I did, and I ended up paying zero, right? 
And I was so happy. I was so proud. I was showing my wife this list, and I was like, so I was putting it on the refrigerator, you know, like hanging up with my magnet that had this receipt. That's me. Okay, that was me all growing up. And again, nobody had to teach me how to do this, but this was just kind of natural for me. Okay, so I had a natural personality as a saver. Okay, so I want to give you all that background because what I'm going to share with you is actually a big revelation from the Lord. He's had to really change my perspective about money a lot, a lot. Okay, so this first perspective, I want to show you this, uh, this chart here. Okay, this chart shows you everything you can do with your soldiers, everything you can do with your money, right? And when you boil it down, there's actually only one thing you can do with your money, and it's spend, right? It pains me to say as a saver, but the one thing you can do with your money is spend, okay? You either spend it now or you spend it later, but money is there to use, Money is there to use for your purposes. Money is there to use for God's purposes. Money is not meant to be hoarded. Money is meant to be used. Okay, so if you use it now, you either use it for yourself or for others, for spending or for giving. If you want to spend it later, that's called savings. Okay, but savings is future spending. Okay, so for those that are spenders, I know oftentimes the spenders don't like savings because they feel like they're losing out. But savings is just future spending, okay? So even if you're a spender by natural, your thing, that's how you want to view your savings, future spending. So whether you spend it now or you spend it later, money is supposed to be used. Let's look at this parable that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells this parable saying, the land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Verse 18. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and I'll build larger ones. And there will be, uh, there I'll store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, I I love how he just talks to himself. Say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and drink be merry. Okay? So we have this landowner. He's got this, like, big estate, and his big estate is producing a lot of goods, so much so that his current barns can't hold all the amount that his land is producing. Okay? His solution is, I know what I'll do. I'll just tear down these small little barns, and I'll build bigger barns so I can really take in all of the things that the land is producing. That's his plan. Okay? Then at the end, in verse 19, he says, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Just take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Okay? That was his his saying. Then in verse 20, but God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So it is with man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Okay, so from this parable, we can learn a couple things. First thing we can learn is what I just shared with you. Money is meant to be used, not hoarded. So he was just kept hoarding more and more and more and more of his money when God was saying, look how foolish it is of you. 
You kept just hoarding, 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 when you could have actually used this for my purposes. That's what he says when he says, if you just store up treasures for yourself and you're not rich towards God, if you're not using your monies for purposes that God has given it to you, that it's a waste. It's a waste. You don't want to just keep storing up and storing up and storing because we don't know how long we're going to be here. We need to start using and directing our soldiers. When we look at this money, we also see that we can't keep saving and saving because we don't want to hoard these things to ourselves. Okay? Now, when I look at this, this is kind of hard for me. Like I said, I'm a natural saver. So when you look at this, you might get the idea, well, maybe it's not good to save at all. Maybe you just want to spend everything, right? But that's not true. Let's take a look at some of the other verses. In Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20, it says, There is precious, there is precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man swallows it up. Okay? He's saying that the wise person has precious treasure and oil inside of their dwelling, but the foolish man just spends it all right away. He doesn't let anything accumulate. Look at Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 8. It says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. He's saying, look at nature. Look at the ants. Look how smart they are. They don't have, any, they don't have anybody telling them what to do. They don't have a chief or an officer or a ruler giving them instruction that they're supposed to save away and prepare for the wintertime. They just do it naturally. They're kind of similar like me. I'm like an ant, right? I, no one told me to do that, but just my natural sense was to save. When we look at Proverbs 21.20, when we look at Proverbs 6, 6 through 8, it's clear that Bible instructs us to save. So what is it? Do we not save or do we save? The issue here is not saving. The issue is our heart. The issue is our heart. When we look at money, money is supposed to be used. It's supposed to be used for our purposes and for God's purposes. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't save. We should save, but we can't let money have our heart. I said this saying last time, and it bears repeating that we need to let money serve us. We can't serve money. Okay? But that often I found it's the reverse that happens. We end up serving money. Money ends up driving our decisions. Money ends up driving our perspective. It drives our uh, daily relationships. It drives our things that happen in our family. Money is the thing that drives the truck. It's the one in charge. Money is determining how, what our outlook is, what our plans are. Money is going to determine where we live, what we do, how we work. Money is going to determine how much we work. Money is going to determine all of these things in our lives. And when we see that, we have it backwards. We're not supposed to serve money. Money is supposed to serve us. It's supposed to serve us and God's purposes. Money is supposed to enable us to go and to do what God wants us to do not prevent us from doing it. I shared this a little bit last time, but one of the things that I've really seen, you know, whether it's in my life, other people's lives, that money is often the biggest deterrent to making changes in your life. Money is often the biggest deterrent 
to making changes in your life. And a lot of times we're in a stage of life that God is calling us to come out of and to go to a new season, but we can't do it because of fear, because of money, because we're afraid. And when we have that fear, then we can really recognize something has happened that God really intended us not to happen, that money has our heart. And God is saying, money can't have your heart. I have to have your heart. Don't let money have your heart. Don't let money be the driver. Like we said before, money is an important part of our lives. It's not saying to be ignorant of that and say, like, you don't need any money. You need money in this world to to function and to live, right? But money can be a passenger, but it shouldn't be the driver. Money can be a passenger, maybe in the back seat, but not the driver. God has to be the driver. He has to be the one directing you. He has to be the one directing your decisions, directing the things that you want to do in life, directing your purposes and your goals. God should be the one directing you, not money. Because if you let money into the driver's seat, you're going to be a slave to money. Money is going to have you instead of you having it. And we have to reverse that trend. If you think that money is driving you and everything you have, we have to see that God says you need to flip the script. You need to have that the other way around. You need to have the money. You can't let have money have you. Right? So that's where we need to draw the line and say, we can't let that happen. We can't let money have us. We can't let money determine what we think we're going to do. We can't let money determine our plans. We have to let God direct our plans. Now, when God directs our plans, will that include money? It will. It will include money. Whether it's in earning money, whether it's in spending money, whether it's in giving money, whether it's in investing money, whether it's multiplying money, whether it's doing whatever with money, God knows. He knows that's part of our life. He knows that's part of how the world works. And the passage that we looked at last time saying, and we need to be smart about it, just like the rest of the world is smart about it, just like those who don't know God are really smart about their money, he's saying you need to be equally smart because you know actually what comes out on the other end, at the end of the life. Like what the parable in this, in this passage talked about, the, the rich landowner didn't realize that truth. He couldn't see what's on the other side. He couldn't see the reality of what's really important. And when it came to the end, he wasn't able to use what God gave him. So when we look at our money, we look at the different things you can direct your soldiers to. You can direct your soldiers to spend. And ultimately, all of our money is, is meant to be spent, is to be used. is to be used in some time, whether in the current or in the future. Okay, you can direct your money towards savings, and savings is good. Savings is wise. Savings is important. Okay, but savings can't have our heart. And I think that was one of the things, the biggest things that I had to kind of change in my savings because I really felt like savings had my heart. Savings made me feel safe. Savings made me feel secure. Savings made me feel comfortable, right? And so... When I looked at it, what was I trusting for my future? It was my savings. Instead of the Lord. Who has our future? 
Is it God? Or is it our savings? Is it how much money we have in our bank account or in our IRA that gives us a sense of security for the future? Or is it because we have the God of the universe who owns everything as our Father? Is that our security? And the Lord started addressing my own heart, right? It's addressing my heart as like, why am I keep doing this? You know, why am I kind of going overboard on the savings thing? And I started realizing it's about control and about security. I needed to be in control. I couldn't let go of control. I needed to feel secure by the money that I had. And I started realizing that money had me instead of me having the money. One of the things that the Lord has really impressed upon me to break that hole and to reverse that trend um, is the third thing we can do with money. Okay, so we talked about savings. We talked about uh, giving. I mean, we talked about savings. We talked about spending. But the third one is giving. Look at this uh, passage in Malachi 3.10. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If you will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Okay, when we look at this passage, it's very interesting because the Bible actually talks about not testing the Lord. Okay, you see this many times in scripture. Okay, in fact, when Jesus was tempted by Satan, what did he say to him? He says, you shall not test the Lord. Okay, it says in James, you shall not put the Lord to the test. Okay, but this is not us testing the Lord. This is God saying, you can test me in this. This is an exception. This is an exception to the rule. You can test me on this fact. What is this fact? He says, if you bring the whole tithe, okay, a tithe literally means 10%. Okay, that's where we get the word tithe. Tithe literally means 10%. If you bring in the whole tithe and you don't bring in less, you don't carry a little bit less, if you bring the whole 10% into the storehouse, if you trust me with that, that I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out my blessings on you. He said, test me in this. I don't know any other place in the Bible where the Lord says, test me in this. But we see it here in Malachi 3.10. Right? And it's not a testing to say like, okay, if I tithe 10% of my money and, and give it to God to give it to the church, that suddenly I'm going to become a millionaire. I don't think this is what this passage is saying. But I, I think he's saying, because he doesn't say it's monetary blessing that he's going to have that's overflowing. But we will have blessings that will be overflowing. Our heart will be overflowing. Our spirit will be overflowing. Our soul will be overflowing. Can some of that include money? It might. But even if it doesn't, we'll have no regrets. We'll have no regrets. We'll have no regrets because we can have the money. We can have things that money can't buy, which is complete peace and satisfaction, overflowing in our, in our hearts and our spirits, overflowing abundant life and the fruit of life, that we will have those things that money cannot buy. Lord says, test me in this. I remember, um, I remember this one pastor, he was giving a message on tithing, right? And it was kind of funny because I watched this video. He had like this huge bag 
uh, it was all full of dimes, right? And so he had this bag full of dimes, and he's going out, and he's like throwing it out to everybody in the, in the audience, right? He's like throwing dimes and saying, who wants to have God as their partner? And he's like throwing out dimes, throwing out dimes. Who wants to have God be their business partner? Throwing out dimes and throwing out more dimes. He was saying, 10 cents on the dollar, you can have God as your partner. You want to have God as your partner? You want to have God, have God as your partner in business? You want to have God as your partner in life and in your finances? 10 cents on the dollar. 10%. That's what the Bible prescribes. Now, the percentage to me is, is actually, I don't know if there's something special about 10%, but what is special to me is that you recognize when you do that, money doesn't determine my life. God does. Money doesn't determine whether I'm going to live or die. God does. Money doesn't determine my future, what it's going to be. God does. And that's what giving does. It makes that declaration to say, like, I'm not going to let money have a hold on my life. So it's funny, when I first became a Christian, so I became a Christian in college, okay? And then when I became a Christian, I started attending a church, right? Because before that, I would just kind of church hop, right? I would go from one church to another. Uh, I'd go to church long enough until they knew my name, and then I'd go to another church, right? But then as soon as I became a Christian, I'm like, okay, I got to stick to one church, right? So I stuck to one church, okay? And then I started learning about this, this principle of tithing, okay? So I started learning about tithing, you know? And again, I told you how much of like a saver I am. So I, I know, I remember the first time where I was like writing out a check of 10% of my income. You know, I'm a college student, you know, I'm not making a lot of money, Right? So it's not a huge amount, but I remember like feeling like kind of some hesitation in writing out this check for 10% of my income. Okay? And then I remember the Lord telling me this, right? And I think it was the Lord. The Lord told me, whenever you write a tithe check and you feel hesitant to give, I want you to give double. Okay? So whenever you feel hesitant to write the tithe check, I want you to give double. Can I tell you? I've never felt hesitant ever again in my whole life to write the tithe check, <laughs> right? But I think it's interesting, right? Because the Lord recognized something in me. He recognized this is something in your life. This is an area of your life that you need to surrender to me. This is something in your life that could easily have a hold of your heart. And so he told me early on when I very first became a Christian, be careful, be careful. Don't let money have your heart. And so whenever I sense money having my heart, what do I do? I give, right? And I give my tithe just automatically. I just always give 10%. But whenever I feel anxious about money, I give more, okay? So whenever I feel anxious about money, like whether it's like giving money to some missionaries I support, I just send them an extra check. Whenever I feel anxious about money, I'll give to something else, whatever the Lord leads, can I tell you, whenever I do that, my heart totally changes. I don't feel anxious about money anymore. It's so amazing. This is like the antidote for money having your heart is giving. Okay, and so I made it my goal to try to keep giving more. So again, this is just my personal example. Okay, it doesn't mean that you need to follow it. But my personal example is that I want to keep giving more than 10%. Okay, so currently... I'm on the goal. I'm almost at 20%. I want to give 20% of my income away. Okay, so 10% to the church, 
10% to other things that the Lord gives me outside of the church. Okay, eventually, my goal, Lord willing, I want to try to give 90% away. I want to do the opposite of what this tithe is. Okay, this tithe is give away 10%, live on 90%. I want to do the opposite. I want to live on 10% and give 90% away. Will I ever reach that goal? I don't know. Okay, but that's my goal. Okay, I want to use the money for God's purposes. I want to direct my soldiers, right? And so when we think about those three categories, about spending and giving and savings, you need to have those a part of your money philosophy in the way you deal with money. Because I guarantee you, if you don't give your soldiers direction, they're going to go and have a field day without you, right? And you know this is true. Like whenever you don't direct your money, your money just ends up going all these different places. And you're like, what happened to all my money? <laughs> you know, like at the end of the month, you're like, where did all my money go? If you don't have a plan for your soldiers, your soldiers will just run amok. Okay, you need to direct your soldiers. You need to have a plan. You need to direct your money to make it work for you, the things that you want and what God wants. If you don't, they're just going to go and have their own field day. Okay, we need to go and to direct that so that we can really have money serve God's purposes and our purposes so we can really be free to not let money have our heart. And so that's my prayer as we kind of conclude this uh, thing to really see that money is a, is a gift. Money is a blessing. Money is not a curse like we talked about last time. Money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil that when it has our hearts. So when we see money, we want to see it as a tool, as soldiers, the things that God gives us with to be able to bless us so we can live and to give and to, to serve and to do these different things, to invest in the different things that he wants. Money is a blessing. And so hopefully we can do that to keep it a blessing and not a burden. Let's pray. So Father, we want to thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that no matter if we have a little or if we have a lot, regardless of our financial situation, the key is that we know that our future is not determined by money, it's determined by you. And so, Father, I pray that you'd speak to us, regardless of our money personality, I pray that you'd speak to us and direct us. Give us assignments for your soldiers. Our soldiers aren't hired, soldiers aren't drafted to just sit in the tent and do nothing. Soldiers are given assignment. So I pray that even now that you just direct us, even in small little ways or in bigger ways, direct us in how we can give assignments to our soldiers, to assignments to the dollars that you entrusted to us. So thanks, Lord. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.